Hey, it's Brian with a quick announcement before we get started. You know, this time of year especially, we're always aware of how quickly time flies. So let me suggest to you that it's not too early to start thinking now about your Christmas shopping for 2022. And I've got the perfect recommendation for all the Christmas lovers in your life. Christmas Past The Book is coming in the fall of 2022 from Lions Press. Stay connected with me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for updates on events, giveaways, pre-ordering, publication dates, all that stuff. Thanks. Enjoy the episode. I'm going to set a scene for you. It's 1965, and we're in some kind of office at the CBS headquarters building in New York City. And since it's 1965, I'm picturing all kinds of wood paneling and cigarette smoke and thin-lapelled suits in our scene. It's an urgent and important meeting of network executives to do a little bit of quality assurance and, if need be, a little emergency strategizing. You see, for weeks now, they'd been promoting a major network event, a primetime special unlike anything that had ever been aired before. The only problem was they hadn't actually seen it yet. In fact, hardly anyone had. The whole project had been on an absurdly short timeline, the kind where, even if everything went exactly right, the whole thing wouldn't come together until the very last second, and that last second was fast approaching. So here were the network executives, just one week before their major primetime special is about to air, and they're about to sit down and watch the finished product for the first time. And if that weren't enough pressure, right on the other side of the door to this office, out in the lobby, is a gaggle of journalists and critics. Because as soon as the executives finished watching it, these people were going to come into the office for a private screening, and then they'd go off to publish their reviews in the likes of Time Magazine and other major publications. The executives finished watching, and they were not happy. They thought it was flat and disjointed, confusing in some spots. The producers were convinced that they'd failed and that the project was a flop and there just wasn't enough time to do anything about it. But of course, they hadn't failed. It wasn't a flop. The critical acclaim came pouring in, and on December 9 of 1965, one half of all televisions in America were tuned to CBS to get into the Christmas spirit and to see a beloved set of comic strip characters brought to life in this animated special, A Charlie Brown Christmas. One of the most beloved, enduring, and for many reasons unlikely successes in Christmas television history. I'm Brian Earle. This is Christmas Past. The story of how everything came together sounds like something out of an old-fashioned backstage comedy. To start with, Peanuts had been a popular syndicated newspaper comic strip since 1950. In April of 1965, the Peanuts characters, including Snoopy, Lucy, Linus, Schroeder, and of course Charlie Brown, appeared on the cover of Time magazine, securing their status as American icons. And several months later, another American icon, Coca-Cola, approached the McCann-Erickson ad agency in New York. They were interested in sponsoring an animated Christmas special. John Allen at McCann Erickson reached out to a producer named Lee Mendelson, who had recently been shopping around a documentary that he'd produced about Charles Schultz and Peanuts. He basically agreed to Coca-Cola saying, yes, we have a, an animated Christmas special for you. And then he immediately hangs up the phone, calls up Charles Schultz and says, how quick can we put together an animated special? <laughs> That's Benjamin Clark. He's the curator at the Charles Schultz Museum in Santa Rosa, California. Now, the first big hurdle to clear was that Coca-Cola needed an outline by the following Monday. 
you know, and this was, you know, late in the week. <laughs> and he says, of course, of course. And he immediately hangs up the phone and calls Schultz. And he drove up to here to Santa Rosa. And, and they sat down and outlined it in a single day and sent it off to Coca-Cola. And they, they said, let's do it. After they had an outline and then a script, they needed an animator. Schultz suggested that they hire Bill Melendez, whom he'd worked with on a Peanuts-themed ad for the Ford Motor Company. Melendez agreed to come on board, but he knew that it was going to be really difficult to pull it off within the short timeline. And there were a couple of unique complications with animating these particular characters. It's hard to get Charlie Brown to turn and keep the proportions of his head right, and their arms are so short, you know, they can't lift anything above their heads and and all these kinds of things. So it was tough, and they had to get kind of creative on some of those things. In addition to that, Schultz insisted on using real child actors, not adults, to voice the characters. Which was very different from the standard of the day. And something that would happen is Bill Melendez would be there at the studio feeding kids their lines. Bill is actually originally from Mexico and spoke English with uh, a Mexican accent. And some of the kids would begin to imitate that accent as he's feeding them their lines. <laughs> and it would get everybody laughing and they'd have to, you know, try to try to have the kid repeat it again. And speaking of voicing the characters, you hear the voice of Bill Melendez himself in the special, although that wasn't the original intention. The noises, um, the, the voicing of Snoopy, who does not speak, but he kind of growls and grumbles and expresses, you know, surprise and, and things, is actually voiced by Bill Melendez. And those were recorded just as placeholders while they were working through the animation and trying to figure out these things. And Schultz heard it and thought and said, oh yeah, that's great. That's perfect. Despite the absurdly short schedule and high pressure, the team pulled it off. From green light to delivery was, you know, almost six months on, on the nose. They said they actually delivered it a week before it aired. And that brings us back to that fateful meeting at the CBS building just a week before the air date, where the network executives were convinced that they were walking into a disaster. You can kind of see where they were coming from. In the first place, while there is a central story of Charlie Brown producing a Christmas play, the plot does feel like it's kind of all over the place. A lot of it's derived from the strip. It's in these brief little episodes, and you get these little arcs within it. And that works because the comic strip works. And for a children's special and a Christmas special, the show goes into some pretty odd places. Within its 25-minute runtime, the special touches on depression, commercialism, and that iconic Linus moment, a Bible verse, which CBS was apparently not very happy about. And floating over all of it is a very 1960s jazz soundtrack from Vince Guaraldi, who Mendelssohn was a big fan of. A lot of that music isn't even especially Christmas-sounding, and apparently Schultz was against using it. It should not have worked, but it, it did. The initial success may have been based on the popularity of the characters and a chance to experience them in a new way. Or based on the popularity of Christmas specials in general. And the scarcity. We're swimming in content nowadays, but back in the 60s, there were just a small handful of television channels, and a new animated primetime special was a major cultural event. That initial success translated into another primetime airing the following year and the year after that. Eventually, nostalgia became part of the reason we continue watching. A Charlie Brown Christmas has aired in primetime every year since 1965, and that almost came to an end last year. That's because Apple TV is now the home for all Peanuts animation, and in 2020 it was announced that a Charlie Brown Christmas would stream exclusively on Apple TV. 
but due to an enormous uproar from the public and a bit of negotiation, it aired on PBS. In an age when we can watch the special whenever we want and through a variety of methods, it really says something about the power of nostalgia and tradition that around Christmas time, appointment television viewing is still a thing. Even Schultz's wife, Jean Schultz, said last year, you know, she she said, well, it's, it's nice it's going to be on TV, so, you know, people like me who are kind of old-fashioned about these things can still watch it. <laughs> And of course, the old-fashioned way of viewing is even better when it's a shared experience, surrounded by the people you love. You know, last year with the pandemic, a lot of us didn't get to do that. And while things are obviously much improved this year, we're not completely out of the woods yet. So over these past two seasons, more than typical Christmas seasons, we're returning to those warm memories of Christmases past spent with loved ones, like Anne in California. I grew up in Ontario, Canada, and one of my favorite Christmas memories was from Christmas of 2008, when my dad flew out to visit me in Southern California uh, after I had recently moved. And he flew out from Ontario, Canada. And what makes this Christmas memory so special is that um, he was dealing with stage four lung cancer and uh, he was having a bit of a, a rough time. Uh, he had recently recovered from having part of his lung removed, and I just wasn't sure he'd ever be able to get on a plane again, but he did. He flew out solo, and the absolute best part was waiting at the airport for him, seeing him come down that escalator, and the smiles on our faces when we saw each other. It was like, oh my gosh. We made it, we're here. We spent a glorious Christmas together in Southern California. My husband and I took my dad to Disneyland a couple of times. He loved the parade. He loved seeing all the kids so excited for Christmas. And we did shopping and we did all the sights and we just had the absolute best time. Um, little did we know that was gonna be our last Christmas together. So we made the most of it. We saw everything there was to see. We ate all the good foods and we shared lots of hugs and did Christmas baking and Christmas turkey and we did everything together and so um, that's one of my most precious Christmas memories was my dad's last Christmas and uh, I always am so thankful to my brother who uh, didn't mind that my dad came out to visit me for that Christmas and my brother missed his last Christmas but I got to have it and um, that's so precious to me so I'll always remember that special Christmas. I remember the last Christmas I had with my dad Christmas Day of 2014. The very next day, my wife and I would say goodbye to Massachusetts and set out for our new home in California. But we got to spend that one last Christmas time together, welcoming in a new family member, my nephew Brody, and having a fun breaking open of our family Christmas pinata and generally enjoying Christmas together. So how about you? What warm and cozy Christmas memories are on your mind this season? And how would you like to share them with the rest of the Christmas Past family? There's still time to do it this season. Just record a voice memo into your phone and send it to christmaspastpodcast at gmail.com. Just keep it reasonably short, clean and family-friendly, and be sure to say your name and where you're from. 
Christmas Past is produced in wonderful Willow Glen, California by yours truly, Brian Earl. Thank you so much to Benjamin Clark. Thanks to Anne in California. And of course, thank you for listening and for being part of the Christmas Past family. Hey, let's stay connected all throughout the season. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram and join our private Christmas Past Facebook group. You can drop me a line anytime with a Christmas memory or just to say hi. Again, that address is christmaspastpodcast at gmail.com. And if you're really feeling the Christmas spirit, why not help more people discover the show? It's as easy as telling a friend about it or leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. If you do leave a review, I'll send you a Christmas Past sticker and a handwritten Christmas card as my way of saying thanks. Reach out for details on that. I'll be back in just a few days with an all-new episode. Until then, may your days be merry and bright.